welcome to our podcast, COP26 and the Journey to Change, a podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland's business events team. COP26 is all about change, the vital and necessary change we need to make not just as individuals, but as communities, countries and continents, the global journey of change to address climate change and its impact. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the issues of change and sustainability affect the business events sector, and also how business events can help bring about the change that we need. We will be questioning what we can learn from COP26 and what our industry can do to change itself. And we'll be examining the COP26 programme themes, including energy, nature, youth and science, to find those crucial intersections where business events can make a difference and help achieve the outcomes of COP26 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At Visit Scotland, we believe that business events are more than just meetings. We believe business events can be catalysts for social and economic change. As Scotland welcomes COP26, we welcome you to our podcast. Stay tuned, follow for new updates and enjoy. Welcome everyone, the session's about to begin. Please take your seat and make yourself comfortable. Please ensure your tea and coffee is topped up and feel free to shut down your emails and enjoy the session. Today, we will be discussing energy, and to help us in our discussions, we are delighted to be joined by Jonathan Hastie, Portfolio Director, Energy and Marine at RX, Read Exhibitions. And our guest host today is Fiona McKinnon. Welcome, Jonathan, and to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. So today, as the topic being discussed at COP26 is energy, we'll discuss the role of business events in transforming to a renewable energy society and what the benefits of hosting environmental events in Scotland are for organisers. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to start by asking you, as the Energy and Marine Director for RX Global, can you tell us which events you hold in Scotland and why it's your chosen location for these events? Yeah, of course. Hi, Fiona. Thank you for having me on today. So RX Global, obviously, is a huge organiser, 400 events around the world. My portfolio covers energy marine, and it's the energy bit of that portfolio that relates mostly to Scotland. And the two events that I have, the subject of, of today's conversation, are in, in chronological order. Offshore Europe in the first week of February that takes place up in Aberdeen. Um, and that's going to be 49 years old next year, actually, um, and has for its lifetime been all about um, upstream oil and gas uh, exploration and production. But over the last couple of years, and particularly now, as you would imagine, and in light of COP and, and, and everything else, the transition to a cleaner blend of energies, cleaner blend of decarbonized fuels is very much front and center of, of what we discuss and what we showcase at that event. I mean, it's one of the major offshore energy shows right in the, in the heart of Scotland. 
Scotland in Aberdeen. And that's why it's so important to the energy industry here. It's in Aberdeen because that is the heart of offshore oil and gas. I, I dare I say it in the North Sea. I'm sure some of our cousins may not agree around, <laughs> around neighbouring countries, but certainly it's one of the most important hubs. And it's that expertise and engineering skill and the technologies and the investment and, and you know, almost 50 years of knowledge that is going to help propel us forward to a cleaner energy future. So that's mm-hmm. that's the first event. Okay. And then cast our mind forward a few months from February to the middle of May. And in the same venue next month that hosts COP, uh, in the same halls, the same conference rooms, we have the UK's biggest and, and busiest renewable and low carbon energy event, All Energy, which has been um, running again in Scotland for 20 years, um, slightly younger than its uh, fossil fuel brother, but nevertheless, a very important event. And that has a sister show to it as well that runs in May as well called Decarbon which uh, where where all energy is about um, the generation of clean electricity and how you put it into the system and transfer it to users like you and me. The decarbonized part is about the users. It's about how businesses and cities you know, remove emissions from the built environment, how they deal with transport and mobility, things like electric vehicles and hydrogen you know, buses or ferries or whatever it may be. So those two events take place um, in May. They are, they've been there for, for many, many years in Scotland since their inception. And they are, I guess, the, the legacy event in the COP venue six months after COP as well. So, and, and Scotland, just to finish on, Scotland is critically important to us. It's always been uh, progressive. It's led the UK, in my opinion, in in its ambitions, in the targets that it sets. Uh, You'd argue world-leading targets, not just union-leading targets. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about the importance of of Aberdeen as an offshore energy hub. Glasgow's got um, the biggest uh, proliferation of of renewables professionals in Scotland. Uh, And again, I've said Scotland's role in the UK is is huge. So we're delighted to have always been and coming back again after COP in Scotland. And, you know, long, long may that continue. Well, absolutely. And we're delighted to have you. And I like (laughs) the answer of, you know, it's a combination. It's not just one thing, is it? It's a combination. So if you've said it's the expertise, it's the collaboration, it's the public and the private sector coming together. It's all of those different aspects that have meant Scotland's the right location for those two events for yourselves. And it's a partnership. So we've, you know, you've been working with Scotland for a long time. You're very welcome with us. We want you to keep coming. And uh, that's great to hear. So thank you very much for that. That's okay. And then in, thank you for having us. <laughs> anytime and for the next 50 years, please, that'd be fantastic. As we all go through this together, we're all going through a journey to change. And the energy sector in particular is pretty fast moving. As you say, there's been a lot of changes over that last 20 and 50 years. So we all progress together. And over the last 18 months, for all of us who work in the events industry, Everything kind of stopped in March 2020, didn't it? So as you've just said, you're a huge global company. You run 400 events in 43 different sectors across 22 different countries. Everything came to a standstill in a business where travelling is what you do and bringing people together. So you've been operating, I know, virtual meetings in that time. You, You made that change. You kept everything working, kept everything ticking over. Are you looking forward to returning to face to face meetings again? And what do you think the biggest benefits are of in-person meetings as opposed to virtual, which we've all been running for the last while, across your own portfolio of events for the company? Well, that's a that's a good question. And in simple terms, I'll never quite answer things simply, but in simple terms, I'd bite your arm off 
to get back to face-to-face events. And I, I know uh, millions of people that would echo those sentiments as well. But I think I think it's important to say, even before the pandemic, RX was running a variety of different events, not just physical face-to-face events, but also hybrid and, and virtual events as well in the communities that we serve. Certainly, as you say, without being able to do the face-to-face element, which is our, our primary MO, um, we then obviously fell back and, and increased the activity that we did online. And there's been huge feedback um, about the value of, of, of the events that we've run in that regard. But I think it's fair to say that um, you know most people are aching to get back to that face-to-face environment because you can achieve so much more in a live environment than you can um, you know, doing doing something on the internet. I mean, we've all learned how to live that way, and there's certainly it's certainly proved that we can operate. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure whether or not that there's a magical sparkle that exists face to face, not just professionally, but in your personal life when you meet up with a friend or a family member for a bite to eat, rather than talking to them on the telephone, where you can't feel them and see them and look into their eyes and spark and have fun and laugh. And that's true in a, in a work environment in that regard, but in plenty of other ways. So the interesting thing is, we did what we believed to be probably the biggest survey of its kind that any organiser has undertaken from a couple of months into the pandemic. From June last year, we did a sort of customer needs analysis around COVID. I guess it's a, a mindset barometer survey would be the best way to describe oh, it. That. Well, we tried. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, uh, but we tried to track the customers' um, evolving attitudes to obviously face-to-face events and how safe they felt, but also um, their experiences on the digital events that um, increased dramatically during that time. Not just the ones we run, but but you know other organisers, mm-hmm. and to really learn and listen to what they what they said was valuable and what wasn't valuable, so we could adapt what we did. Mm-hmm. And that, by the way, continues after the pandemic is a, a hopefully a long distant memory. And of all of those things, I think there were over the 12 months that it, it ran, um, it's still running now, but certainly over the bulk of the, of the 12 months, 45,000 visitors completed the survey from uh, well over 200 shows. I think it was 10,000 exhibitors as well completed the survey. So it's a huge amount of feedback. Um, yeah. Again, I think probably the biggest done by an organizer. And although there are you know, interesting stats. You can read about them on the RX Global website. The one statistic that remained the same, in fact, it improved over the pandemic from both sides of the buying and selling fence was um, their belief in the unique value and importance of face-to-face events. They, you know, they they said, you know, we, we can do, we can operate in many, many ways, but going to a face-to-face event like an all energy, like an offshore Europe, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it gives us something that nothing else gives us. And it gives us where well, we can do it in another way. Yeah, there might be some benefits and savings, but it's still a pale imitation of what it would be face-to-face. You know, we can forge much stronger relationships with our customers by meeting them face-to-face. We can meet new people. That's serendipitous bumping into people and creating new relationships. It's impossibly challenging, not, not impossible, but very <laughs> challenging to do online. Yeah. But you can do that in the space of one aisle in an exhibition somewhere, you know, in a venue in Scotland, let's say. Yeah. And so that bit, that that ability to, to connect and enrich what you've got, but then to come away with the same again with new relationships that can shape you and your business success going forward. That's really critical. And the other bit of it as well was was the social side. So you might do a whole day at an event, eight eight hours, let's say. You're never going to spend eight hours on a Zoom call unless your your life's miserable. (laughs) But, you know, and then it extends into the evening. So you might go out to dinner with customers. You might go out with colleagues. And that experience adds to the already brilliant and magical experience you had from a professional point of view. It extends into a personal area as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think you can beat it. I think it brings everybody together in one place or one time 
it's like an adrenaline shot, isn't it? So from a survey point of view, the feedback echoed that. I think around about three quarters of our visitors, 74%, and nearly two thirds of our exhibitors basically said, these events are critical to our organization's success mm-hmm. um, and long may they continue, bring them back as soon as possible. I, my colleagues, and I dare say the vast majority of our customers that we serve are itching to get back to face-to-face events, yeah. but there's plenty for us to offer digitally in between as well. Brilliant. And I think that's great to hear that you've done the survey and these are, you know, 75% of people saying, yes, we want it back. It Virtual's great. It's kept us all going. Yeah. It has its place and in certain topics and certain sizes of meetings, it will always continue. But we always yeah. face to face and exactly for the reasons that you've just so beautifully said, it is that the word serendipity, funnily enough, has come up in quite a few of the podcasts mm. we've recorded. It's the networking, the people, the human contact, using all yeah. five senses, not just listening. And I think yes. COVID has made us realise that. We probably weren't really aware of it before. And that's really good to have that confirmed, if you like, because from a personal point of view, I think we all feel it. But that's fantastic that you've done that survey, that you're carrying on with that. Yeah. So good to hear. And I'm going away on my own first um, first event shortly, and I literally can't wait. <laughs> can't mm. wait to be well, with I, people again. I was at a couple of, we, we've run a few events in the business, not, mm. not in my area yet, mm. but I was at a couple of competitive events the other day. In fact, I was on, I was on the Visit Scotland stand at one of them. Brilliant. Um, I, I asked after you, but you weren't there. Never oh. mind. Um, but I spoke to some of your colleagues. Uh-huh. And, you know, again, the magic of being in that environment again and seeing people greeting each other. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen each other for years, some of these people. And these, these are established relationships, not the yeah. new wondrous ones we talked about a minute ago. Yeah. It was magical. I know it sounds corny, but it made a huge difference. So mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, when, when it's happening at one of my events, I will my, my head will fly off with excitement. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that brilliant? Life should be exciting for yes, all of us. Could have fun. some fun as well. Yeah. So the next thing I was going to ask you about is, obviously, we're doing these podcasts because of COP26, which we've been mentioning anyway. It will, or it is uniting more than 190 world leaders and an estimated 30,000 delegates in Glasgow just now. Looking beyond the economic benefit, what do you think will be the longer term benefits to Scotland from hosting this event here? Yeah, good question. Well, I I hope there will be many. I would imagine that... um, well, the, the two things that I would mention now, one is COP truly is a global happening. I mean, it's it's the most important event for the entire planet that's, that's going to take place for, you know, for everybody in your glorious uh, country. And um, the profile, you know, it's already on every news item that I read within reason. And we're not even <laughs> we're not even at the critical moment yet. So it's going to be everywhere, every website, every newspaper, every column inch, every click online. And it will be live from Glasgow, live from Scotland. So I think your profile, generally speaking, is going to go stratospheric. And that's not a bad thing, is it? So, so well done there. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> and then the other part of it, obviously, is COP is, um, is all about tackling climate change. And it's about doing it, uh, doing your local part, but doing it together as a planet, as, you know, as, as, as one civilization. You've already got very strong credentials, as we've said earlier, in Scotland and indeed in the cities where I run shows and in Glasgow where COP is also running. And I, and I think your brand will go up, not just globally, but also aligned to, you know, all these sort of sustainability metrics that you are, you know, you're very good at already. So I think you're going to see more interest in what you're up to when it comes to, you know, decarbonizing all of your operations yes. um, and helping, you know, help helping Scotland lead the way to a net zero future. Fantastic. Yes, we think so too. So I'm I'm glad you've said (laughs) that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but it should, shouldn't it? I mean, that's, that, that's the logic. Plus, Absolutely. But, but don't forget, of course, I will have to say this. Don't forget that you've already got your very own People's Cop running every year in the same venue in May. So, uh, and obviously the, the Offshore Europe event in, in Aberdeen as well. So, yes. yeah. So anyway, I, I have to get the plug in. Absolutely. I? And events that people should go to. They're fantastic. Yeah, They're fantastically indeed. run. Bless you. <laughs> the check's in the post. Sorry. <laughs> I'm glad that worked out. So as we know, the presidency schedule for COP26 is tackling, just as you've said, these important subjects that will resonate for many destinations worldwide. Mm. Are there any particular subjects or topics that you'll be paying particular attention to for your own sectors? And if so, why? I guess, again, two parts of this question, I would assume, certainly from my point of view, and I would assume everybody's similar, we'll be looking at it from a personal point of view, because again, as, as I said a minute ago, the outcomes and the commitments, and I hope there's lots of you know rapid and strong commitments after COP from, from leaders from, from all around the world, including here in, in the UK and in Scotland, you know, it's going to affect every part of our life. It already is affecting every part of our life. So I hope, uh, like me, from a personal point of view, <laughs> we'll be lapping up everything that comes out of, of the event next month. But then linking it back to, you know, the, the, prof the professional side and, and, and the areas uh, that I focus on, obviously energy is key. Um, so I'll be looking to see what commitments are made, particularly from a UK and Scottish point of view in the energy sector. You know, how quickly will we decarbonise? We've already got some very bold plans already um, and some promises, promises that need to be sworn into policy and need more money put behind them. We need to encourage more private investment. There's a huge amount of money flowing into, um, you know, clean, green activities, technologies, companies. We need to make sure that our politicians help uh, make the path easy for the, you know, private investors to help us on the way. Mm -hmm. I suspect there's going to be more collaborations between organisations. Certainly different parts of the energy industry are already doing that, but I suspect that and mergers and acquisitions will probably accelerate, but that won't happen at COP, but maybe as a result of COP. And things like skills, we need hundreds, there will be hundreds of thousands of new jobs, um, probably even more in time. Um, but we need people to fill those jobs. And we need brilliant engineers and young minds. And we need reskilling of engineers that have already done it. That experience is vital. We can't just throw it away. They need to transfer across. And Scotland's got an abundance of brilliant engineering heritage there. So, you know, there's lots of different things that I will be looking at to see whether or not there's a, there's, there's a legislation or a promise or a commitment made that might accelerate that. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of stuff we, we talk about already at these events, you know, like Offshore Europe and All Energy. And obviously, three months after COP for one and six months after for another, the key outcomes are going to be the number one thing we're going to be talking about when we all meet face to face um, to help move the agenda forward. So yes, it's going to be fascinating. It's a brilliant opportunity for us to make a, a huge difference. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. What the headlines are. And I think that's a really good point that you make. I mean, essentially what the nations all decide we then take forward to the jobs that we all do in the sectors we work in and then look to see where we can fit in, what happens, what we can do to make that happen. And it's the making it happen yeah. that's actually going to count. But we can't do that without the policies being in place and, and ready for us. No, that's why you have face-to-face -face events. That's why they're so critically important, not just the ones that obviously I'm involved yeah. in, but you know, events like COP, you bring people together for that massive supercharged mm -hmm. leap forward. You, know, uh, you can achieve so much more in a few days or a few weeks or a few, even a few few hours when you're all together in one room. That's the beauty of it. I, I'm expecting a massive uh, adrenaline shot in November 
And my job, from my point of view, and the events that we run at RX is to help move that forward and keep that momentum going. It's exciting, isn't it? Really exciting. It is exciting. And I love your adrenaline shot. That's fantastic. That's exactly what it's like. It's like a a shot of, right, here we go. This is what we're doing. Let's do it. And I think you've actually just covered some of what I was next going to ask you about. And that was, do you have similar goals within your own RX global portfolio of what you want as your own green credentials, what you're working towards within yeah. that? I know, as you've just said, what will come out of COP, we don't yet know. But once that comes out, we can work towards it. But do you already have ambitious plans for carbon neutrality? Do you already have plans within your own portfolio that you're currently working towards? Yeah, well, certainly we do. I mean, again, there's different layers here. So from an overarching parent company point of mm-hmm. view, RX Global is one of the businesses as part of the FTSE Relex. So Relex, as you would imagine, um, has has many corporate social responsibility objectives and um, climate pledges mm-hmm. to ensure that we bring down our footprint to meet this sort of net zero future. So I know that that Relex has done a, they've signed up to the climate pledge, which is um, you know, to basically become net zero no later than 2040, okay. ideally earlier, but no later. Later than 2040, I think some you know hundreds of bigger organisations of companies have, have done something similar, and the three areas of focus that cascade through to to my business day to day as well, mm-hmm. and I'll come on to that in a minute. The three areas of focus for the pledge are obviously a to sort of benchmark, so you've got to measure and report the emissions that your organisation is 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 producing and regularly mm-hmm. as well. The second, obviously, is to then have uh, decarbonisation strategies to to reduce those emissions, and then lastly, to neutralise any remaining emissions with high quality um, offset, you know, if you need to, to achieve your net zero goals. So that's happening across the parent company. Um, There's various different scopes that are being tackled from looking at, um, you know, uh, buildings within the organization to energy consumption, et cetera, et cetera. I know since uh, over the last 10 years, Relex has reduced emissions by 52% up, up to 2019. And there were some new goals and some new initiatives introduced across the entire parent company at the beginning of this year but there's there's lots of work going on but there's still lots to do as there is for, for all of us so but we're, we're certainly on a path from an organizational point of view and then when it cascades down into rx the company that i work for again lots of action going on i think actually um covid gave us a chance to do more work on this sort of reset and accelerate what we're doing so i know there is sustainability working groups set up across the, the the business i i have the fortunate um role of being involved in one of them in the uk but they're all over they're in france i believe australia as well and um, there are plans being put into place both globally but also in different office locations going back to some of the relics ones i talked about around energy consumption and use but the, the three main areas that we we're focusing on as an organizer uh, one the impact of our events yeah. including the suppliers the venues mm-hmm. like the sec and and uh, pnj live in scotland and also what our exhibitors our customers do as well because there's a huge impact when you bring you know hundreds of thousands of, of people together there and then also looking at the buildings in which we reside which goes back to our parent company's mandate and also looking at our own personal impact as well okay. not just at work but also what we can do away from work um, as well to try and um, you know mitigate or minimise what we do um, to impact on the environment. So in terms of shows, I know there are there are sustainable charters that we have on all of our events now. There are uh, checklists for exhibitors and um, to take you through things like you know please consider all these items, recycled materials for stand builds if you can if you can potentially do that. You know try and not bring printed materials because the waste that's left behind at shows has been horrendous. It's much better than it used to be, but it's still not good to send all 
all that stuff um, to landfill. We recycle whatever we can, as do the venues, particularly the ones in Scotland um, that we've talked about already. And, you know, down to catering, you know, what catering are you going to do on your stand? Does it have a huge footprint? Could you choose something better to entertain your customers or feed your staff during these busy show hours? Uh, Just to try and make people think. And I guess we're all going through that as well. We're trying to benchmark, understand, and then we can put plans in place. Um, It's been a bit challenging not being able to run shows because the acceleration has kind of disappeared a bit. But we know what we want to do. And as soon as we get back to running events, which we started to do, we can, again, measure and improve, measure and improve, measure and improve, and encourage and communicate to all of the stakeholders to do the same. So yeah, that's, that's, I guess, from an industry point of view, certainly internally in the business, we've had sustainability weeks where uh, we've done lots of content online, obviously, um, because it was a few months ago, um, where we've had meat-free Mondays and recycling lessons, and we've had speakers in from from Relex and from Olio um, and from the World Wildlife Fund, and we've done, you know, quizzes and stuff like that, just to try and raise the awareness within, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of people within our organization, um, thousands globally, on the impact of the decisions they make. So I guess that's what lots of people are doing, and bit by bit, we all do our bits. Um, we'll make huge strides. But yeah, I think you'll see more. I know I know the Association of Event Organisers, and I dare say that the venue one as well, and, and it's a, the, the contractors one, are all working on uh, trying to create a sort of sustainable suppliers yeah. list of venues, of stand contractors, et cetera. And, and I certainly think we'll see more and more requirements mm-hmm. over the coming years, probably accelerated by COP. Um, to ensure that when you go to a show, its footprint is um, you know, minimal or negative, ideally, and that you choose the right contractors to reduce your, your own emissions. So, so it's good, you know, but again, a, lo- a long way to go still, I think, but, well, but we're moving in the right you're direction. You're talking and you're, you're walking that path. And I think that's, that's fantastic. And that's very far reaching right across all the areas that you've just discussed. And going back to, yeah. you know, venue wastage and that sort of thing, hopefully the days of one-off carpets being used for three days are gone. You know, that yeah. we're all yeah. talking about it, exactly what you've said. It's not just we're starting the conversations, it's all happening. Charters are, are going in place. That is the right way to go. So yeah. that's fantastic to and hear. Together. And yeah, and and we're together, all in it together. Think, yeah. Yeah, every, everybody's working in tandem with each other to try and move yeah, the needle it's one goal. quicker and It's further. one goal for all of yeah, us to be part of. Exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, good. That's the coffee break sounding. Let's head off for coffee. Please make your way to the foyer, where tea and coffee will be waiting for you. We'll see you back here soon. Don't be late. We won't wait for you. Mics are off. We can relax a bit, Jonathan. So do you take yeah. tea or coffee? What's your preference? Oh, uh, oh, it depends on the time of the day. I'm one of those weirdos. So um, first thing in the morning, always a cup of tea. Always a cup oh. of tea. But uh, I swiftly follow it with a coffee. <laughs> and then after lunch, uh, I have to have a little coffee to get me going. So yes, I would say uh, tea probably, mm-hmm. but a very close second. Uh, is coffee. That doesn't really help you, does it? Well, you're, you're 50-50 because <laughs> on all the podcasts, we've been asking everybody the same question. And at the moment, coffee yeah. was winning. So you've probably just changed that round a little bit. Oh, no, definitely a cup of tea. Cup of tea, nice cup of char. If you were in Scotland, <laughs> we'd say you were a tea, Jenny. <laughs> uh, really? Okay, I've been called worse. <laughs> and what, what would you say of all? I mean, you, you've been to many events. As you said, you've been in the events industry for a very long time. What's the yeah. best piece of advice you feel you were ever given? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, I've been given lots of advice. Have I listened to any of it? That's, I guess that's the big question. Um, do you know what? I think it's to have fun. You know, 
putting events on the show must go on you know mm -hmm. things happen all the time uh, things go wrong in the build-up um things can go wrong you know within 10 minutes of having to open the doors but as an industry uh, and as an organization we, we we come together and we the show must go on and the curtains open and off you go and we work incredibly hard when it's like show time and event time you're working super long hours day after day day after day sometimes you have events back to back over weeks and it's relentless but the most important thing to remember when you when you've done a you know 16 hour day or a 17 hour day for the fourth day on a row is to enjoy the elements of that day it's you know it's fun bringing people together it's fun working with colleagues to put on this this amazing experience um so i think the most important thing probably is to work hard but to have fun as you do it and that doesn't always mean in the bar afterwards um <laughs> but often but, you know, does so, let's face it <laughs> it does you know yeah it, it does it's a social side of it isn't it yeah. but that's but, good you know, enjoy it, it yeah. it's enjoy it don't just make it a, a one-dimensional thing um yeah. anyway that's my first answer yeah and just before we head back into session what would you rather attend, an intimate dinner or a drink reception? I think I know the answer to this, but I'll let you answer. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Um, oh, I don't know. That's uh, both. Um, well, a, a, an intimate dinner is always good because you can get into great conversations and really get under under the you know under the bonnet, so to speak, and, and get to know the people sitting at the table with you. And obviously, I, I love food and, and company and you know good wine for example or whatever it may be so to have that nice slow burning intense environment sounds absolutely gorgeous to me but equally there's something beautiful about being in a room with hundreds of people and that energy popping off the top of their heads and into the atmosphere above them particularly if it's aided by bubbly champagne or something like that but you know what i mean that, yes. that, that kind of environment where you've pulled someone together and again that you know the power of face-to-face -face can work in a small setting or a larger setting so mm -hmm. i'm more than happy to do the uh, i'll do let's do the networking event and then we'll go to a back room and have a quiet intimate dinner um we'll do both of them sounds like a great night <laughs> out. all right <laughs> next one's on they're both me. very alluring I'm, I'm happy i'm free that's fine let's do it fabulous oh that's the bell going we better go back into session the next session is about to begin please make your way back to the auditorium <laughs> I have one final question for you. What has surprised you the most about the adaptability of the events industry during this last very challenging 18 months? A very good question, and it, and it has been super challenging for sure, to say the least. And I, I think, you know, no, nothing has surprised me hugely. It's reaffirmed uh, my experiences, I guess, because I've worked in events for 25 years and I've, I've seen I've seen amazing people do amazing things many, many a time. But it certainly reaffirmed, you know, what I thought, and it's it's made my pride even even bigger and, and even more glowy. And I guess number one of, of three would be the determination and the bravery that my colleagues have demonstrated. You know, mass gatherings stopped in March and they stayed off until you know July this year, and, and still not quite back fully mm -hmm. yet. I know other face-to-face -face environments like hospitality and retail had a terrible, terrible time as well. But we we were off. We we didn't come back and go off again. We were just off. Yeah. So the fact that they they got through this, they showed amazing determination and dedication to navigate a hugely challenging landscape. Dealing with customers, you know, again, none of this was 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 our fault or, or, or my team's fault or the industry's fault. It was a, a consequence of a of a global once in a hundred year pandemic. Yeah. And customers were very very understanding, but they were challenging conversations to make decisions. What one of the events in the portfolio, not not of the two I've mentioned, we had to postpone nine days before it was going to run. Oh. 
in London. And had we ran it, it would have been um, evacuated on the second day because that was the day that Boris shut down everything. So, you know, when you get, and that was a two-year cycle. So you go through two years of every day getting up to put on a brilliant event in two years' time to make everybody more successful. And then just as you get to the final mile, um, you know, somebody pulls the rug out and, um, you know, you're unable to do it. That's the first thing that I, I see, that the customers have been very understanding, the way the teams have dealt with them sympathetically has been great and they've shown true bravery and resilience to get through it we've probably got to know our customers better ironically over the last 18 months than we ever have before it will, and i can't wait and i echo my my team to get back to getting to know them in a positive way yeah, yeah. and not having to have difficult conversations about sorry we're having to move the show we don't want to but it's the safe and sensible thing to do to protect you yeah. and your investment so that was the first thing it, and then as part of having to do more stuff online and to come up with other ways to help the, the industries and the people, the companies we serve, the innovation, the creativity, the entrepreneurialism, I guess the going back to bravery again to try something new. We've done lots of things. We've tried lots of different platforms. We've had technology we've, we've developed in-house. We've used third parties. That, that barometer and um, that link to the customers and the insight and the feedback has is, is helped shape what we do and choosing the right thing to meet the needs. Uh, and I think we've got that right most of the time. But trying new stuff and not just a, you know an online event, but trying new things, launching launch pads and training sessions and all these different things to try and help people get some value and to connect together. Uh, but certainly that serendipitous piece that we talked about earlier was missing because you just can't connect people in the same way. But anyway, we've been very creative. And then the last thing, I guess, and this is true all the way through, is the, is the passion. Probably that's what propels everything that I've just discussed. I've never seen, despite everything, anybody's passion wane. We've all questioned ourselves. We've all you know, gone, oh my goodness, what a terrible week that was, um, for good reason. But, but we've all believed in what we're doing, and we all understand that this is a hurdle we had to overcome. And the passion has propelled us that we care about putting on, you know, we're in the business of building businesses. We're here to help organizations and individuals become better after they've participated in one of our events, whether it's physical or, or, or virtual online. And, um, and, and we still believe that that's critically important. Uh, you know, and the events don't just have a benefit on the commercial side of, you know, our business or, or our customers' businesses. But when it comes to events like Offshore Europe and, and indeed All Energy, they have a societal impact. They have a moral impact and benefit where they're trying to remove, you know, remove things from the environment to make you breathe better, to make your grandkids live longer, to protect nature and to make our oceans cleaner and and lots of other things I could rattle off for another, we could do another podcast or five, you know, and, and that's amazing. So when you come to work, you know, you, you, you hope to do a good job in whatever way you do it, but to, to know that you're convening, and again, it's, it's the brilliant people and organizations that come together that do this stuff, but the fact that you're providing a platform to convene them and help them push things forward more rapidly, um, and then the impact is going to help the world my goodness, that makes you makes you feel proud. And that's what drives the passion. It's a sort of, it's yeah. a virtual circle that propels you back on again to do better and do more. So none of these things surprised me. I knew them, but I never knew such challenges. And it was brilliant to see people across the business still have that amazing amount of um, get up and go to do what they could do to make things better for our, our customers and our industries. And I can't wait to capitalize on the opportunities. COP is going to have a huge impact on the events that I run in Scotland and the people that uh, I serve in, in Scotland and, and UK and rest of the world. And I can't wait to take those findings that are going to 
again, there'll be challenges, I, I dare say, but huge opportunities and, and run with them. It's going to be great. I'm just itching to get out of my little back bedroom. <laughs> or <laughs> back, are, back onto the street. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. And you guys, you've got the first major, I mean, there's events running, but you've got the first biggie. You know, this is this is a hugely important global event and it's going to be massive, isn't it? Yes. So uh, it the is. eyes of the world and mine are watching and I can't wait to see what happens. Well, you've got me welling up here. I mean, really, what, <laughs> what we do is so important and you've just it put is. it beautifully. And I think the three words from what you've just said are what we're going to finish on, which is, as well as creating that platform for all the issues of the world to help them be solved and make it better for everyone, whatever the sector is, whatever the topic mm -hmm. is, it is that care, that passion and that bravery that makes yeah. it happen. And my favourite word, I think, of this year is serendipity because we're all missing it. Yeah. And it is that combination. None of us can do it in isolation. It's when we all come together. And that is the bit that we're currently missing. So you've responded perfectly. And I think that for all of us who work in the industry, that's just the perfect way to end this podcast today with you. And let's leave it at that. Us passionate, caring, brave people can't wait to all get together again. I know. Goodness, what will happen when we do? Well, it's going to be a <laughs> hell of a party. It will be, won't it? Hooray. Bring it on. So, Jonathan, it only leads me to say thank you so very much for your time today. It's so appreciated. Okay. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I hope our listeners enjoy it too. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you very much. This brings our session to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it and will join us again next time when we'll be discussing youth and public empowerment. Thank you for attending today's session. See you soon. <laughs>